Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, the Good, the Bad, and the Say What? Not letting the good stuff go to your head and the bad stuff go to your heart. Today, my guest is Miss Victoria Teed, just one of my dearest, dearest um author colleagues. I will tell you a little bit about her. She's an an Atlanta-based motivational speaker and is an educator and mentor whose specialty is in helping women to live their dreams. Woo! Yes, I am all about that. After graduating from college with a bachelor's degree in psychology, ah, that's really going to help us in this conversation today, (laughs) Um, and working as a corporate sales consultant Victoria discovered her life's call, her life's calling is to help people reach their full potential. During this time, she learned various tools and processes to help people think about their inner values, purpose, and vision, which is so powerful and connecting to the people who are watching this because we are all very mission driven. So that's like perfect. Um, Victoria is the founder and director of a nonprofit organization called Victoria's Friends, helping women escape sex trafficking. And and they are celebrating their 20th year. Fantastic. Um, And then, this is my favorite part. Victoria is the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Finding Heaven in the Midst of Hormonal Hell. And she also authored Reaching for Life and her third book, Sparkle and Shine, will release in October. And she's going to give you special pricing, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But again, her calling is to help people reach their full life's potential. Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I am so glad. Okay, so before we get into the feedback, right, can you tell us a little about the finding – heaven in the midst of hormonal hell. Please, talk to me about that. Well, you know, as you know, I work with a lot of women with my nonprofit, and it was just a topic that kept coming up that as women were getting into perimenopause and into those stages, they were having a really rough time. And not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. I mean, it was just the whole ball of wax. Yeah. I was fasting. We fast in January a lot. And um, I just really felt a strong prompting that I was supposed to write that book. And I got the title. Well, finding heaven in the midst of hormonal hell. And it just stuck. And it was a number one bestseller. So you clearly (laughs) on the nail. It's out, that book sells and sells because it's something that we all have to go through. We all have to make that passage. Yeah. And there's things that you can do that really help. So I'm, I'm grateful that the book is done well and it's helping a lot of women. That might be a whole other podcast episode because as <laughs> yes. I'm getting nearer, like my, um, I'm 45 and I have friends who are a little bit older than me who are like transitioning and I'm hearing the stories with them and I'm not looking forward to it. And I'm sure that it doesn't help to have to manage a whole lot of volunteers in the middle of your hormonal hell. So we might have oh, no. to have another conversation. No, I know. <laughs> it, it's crazy. And listen, Nicole, that's when I started, I went into perimenopause at 45. Oh, great. 
Great. And everything started. <laughs> everything started shifting from that point on, but it's different for everyone. So get on the phone with your mother, ask your mom how she did. Okay. That might give you some tips. Oh Lord. The book has great, great tips for getting your cortisol levels down, balancing your hormones and diet and just emotional self soul care. Yeah. We really have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And in that season, I found I did not have the reserves that I used to. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you've okay. got to figure out how to compensate for that. And then it all comes back together. Yeah. But it, it is a little bit of a puzzle to putting in some pieces. So <laughs> I know yeah. you're going to do well. You're going to do well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's change the subject. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about feedback um so you know like you said you've worked with a lot of women you've written books surely you've received feedback um what is either you can take your choice take your pick either like the greatest feedback that you ever received that was just so nice that you were like oh my goodness this is amazing or maybe a piece of feedback that kind of it kind of hurt a little bit but you needed it in order to grow and it made you a little bit better or some type of feedback that somebody said something to you and you were like what like any of it talk to us help us out here what did what did you okay about? i have several things i want to share okay it was like as i was thinking about this podcast i remembered something my son did back in second grade <laughs> it was the best advice so moms listen to your children okay my son's getting ready to graduate from college now but he was seven years old and he was in like the little junior achievement uh, program. And yeah. I would come in and volunteer and speak to the kids and do the little program. And then I'd have gifts I would give out. Okay. And I, there would be winners. Well, it, at the end of it, I'd just start giving all, I had a box of toys. I would give them all away to everybody. And Josh is like, mom, why, you know, it, you're taking away from that gift because the winners got it, but then everybody else got it. And I said, Josh, you know, those kids were going to be so mad at me if I didn't just let them have a toy. And he goes, you can't please everyone, mom. Oh. You can't please everyone. Out of the <laughs> mouth of babes. Yes. And that it rings true for managers of volunteers. I mean, just managers in general. But man, yes. that rings true. Oh, I want to say that it especially for those that have a temperament maybe more like mine i'm out of the counseling circles and i'm kind of sanguine and i like for everybody to give each other a group hug and i want everybody to have <laughs> peace it is not going to be like that it's just yeah. unrealistic everybody will not like you all the time and you have to be strong and you have to make those decisions and stay with it even if people are grumbling and some people go away the ones that stay or the ones that you need. So, so that was the first piece of advice. Okay. And then another one, you know, for, with a nonprofit, I have to do a lot of public speaking and I speak a lot. I do a lot of book signings and so I have to do a lot of public speaking. So when I first started, um, my story, the, the reason I did the nonprofit for sex trafficking was I had a very rough uh, teenage years. Okay. And had a really hard time and it out on the streets myself. 
and a Christian woman in the community reached out to me and took me in and got me on my feet. Wow. So what we're doing is just paying back what was done for me. Nice. And she introduced me to Jeff Teague. It was really just a spiritual rags to riches story. He's in the medical field. He's an orthotist prosthetist. And, you know, I went from one side of the tracks to the other <laughs> overnight. <laughs> it was beautiful. You know, oh, it was sure. like, I'm sure it was like being a turtle and being put up on a post. That turtle could have never crawled up there by itself, right? <laughs> so I was asked to share my story at church. Okay. And I put so much into it, you know, hours of preparing what I wanted to share. And everything in it was very, very special to me. Yes. So I got <laughs> We had rehearsal. <laughs> I got up <laughs> and shared the whole thing. And the lady came over and she said, scratch, it's a rewrite. And I was like, what are we doing? I was like, how do I rewrite my story? And she said, we want this, this, and this. We don't want this. We don't want that. And she sliced and diced it. And, oh, it hurt my feelings so oh. bad. So I came home. I was crying. I was like, told my husband, I said, I don't even want to speak at this church now. I'm, you know, I just don't even want to share after that. And my mentor got on the phone with me and she said, you are going to have to listen. You're going to have to receive criticism and you're going to have to give people what they want if it's their event. So I learned that very early on. And it was interesting now, years and years later, now I'm having my own events. And, you know, we're helping ladies like me. <laughs> and now it's, it's 30, you know, 30 years since I've been out and 20 years in the nonprofit. And we had an event and I said, I really, I want it to be, you know, clear and concise and short. It's a virtual event. And the things that you're sharing are special to you, but not everybody will sit and listen on and on and on. Right. So and it was funny as I was telling the girls that I thought back to that way back at that church when I cried, you know, it's like, don't be sensitive. You want to give them the facts and the story and it is heartfelt. Yeah. But you want to pay attention and you want to keep your audience engaged. Yes. So my advice is don't be, you know, super sensitive when you're starting out. Receive it. Don't take it personally. You know, receive from that. Learn and grow. Nice. Nice. Okay, so we're, I thought I heard you say, did you have three or were those the two that you wanted to share? Oh, I have another one. Uh, <laughs> that you have a good ear. <laughs> I get lost in the story I'm sharing. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> uh, the, the last one is called a boomerang blessing. Okay. And what you put out in the world boomerangs back to you. Yes. Whether it's a money, whether it's money and a tithe, or whether it's giving of your time, being generous with your time, talents, and gifts. Yeah. Whatever you put yeah. back. It's called the boomerang blessing boomerangs back. I'm writing it. That down. is something I've carried with me the whole, it is really good. I've carried that with me the whole time. That is awesome. That is so great. So I want to go back to the, your first story um, where 
when your son had said you can never please I was, I'm loving that I'm loving that where you said he said you can never please everyone so as you have grown into you know the president of your C, uh, the president of your nonprofit um, have you had to um, like hire and bring on um, volunteers and if so does that phrase still ring true? Like you can't please everyone. And then if you, and I'm asking a whole bunch of questions, I'm sorry. Um, and then <laughs> if you have to make a decision and it doesn't please anyone and somebody says something not so nice, how do you handle it? That is a big question. <laughs> and I, if I really struggled with it and one of the things that's very important, I think a lot of people have done this, but just in case, you know, I'm a psychology major, I would know what your temperament is. Okay. Do your temperament testing. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? I've heard about it, but, you know, for those of us who may not have heard, heard about it, can you tell us what it is and maybe where we can find it to take it? It's another, it, all you have to do is just Google Enneagram test. Okay. And it's another temperament test, but it's very accurate. And I, I and also DISC, D-I-S-C. Yeah. Uh-huh. Google that. And I'm, I'm an S, which is a sanguine, um, with a D complement, which has that choleric. Cholerics are drivers and pushers, and they're not as sensitive. So they're, like, they're really strong leaders. I can pull that up if I have to. And I believe that that's why I've survived 20 years in nonprofit. <laughs> and my, say, my sanguine, you know, my dominant is like a free spirit that loves to talk and share and share from my heart. Yeah. And I learned that you just can't do that all the time. There's a time and a place for it right and it not everybody's gonna like you and if you're trying to please everybody it's a really good way to fail Ooh. Um, oh oh I, I learned wow hard hard lessons on this one I for one when we first started with Victoria's friends Victoria's friends my nonprofit we take baskets of love out into the strip clubs and the heavily prostituted areas of Atlanta, Metro Atlanta. And I, we had some great, we had like five outreach teams and I was moving it. Now there were strong personalities, which is great. You want your leaders under you to be strong and up and coming. Were so any of I your, all, I'm sorry, were any of your leaders volunteers? Yes. Okay. Yes, all. Pretty much everybody was oh. a volunteer in the early days. Now okay. we have three. We're a small organization. We have three staff um, and a board of directors and then like 50 volunteers. Okay. So the volunteers love to come in and do the baskets, and we have basket-making parties, and they get the baskets. I kept getting very strong uh, very strong, independent people that wanted to tell me how to do it. They're like, get out of the way. This is how we're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> so I had, I was running my five outreach teams beautifully, and we've done well. Um, listeners that, that might not be familiar with our nonprofit, we've helped hundreds and hundreds of ladies in 20 years come out of sex trafficking, stripping, and prostitution. So we have done very well. 
Uh, it was managing those outreach teams in the beginning. And one lady said, well, since you have so many strong volunteers, she says, I'm going to recommend that you let each team run itself. In other words, if your team's from this organization, y'all do your own baskets, and then just okay. let Victoria know what strip club you're going into, okay? Okay. So that worked for about two months. <laughs> and then we lost almost everybody. People were so mad. They were, like, fighting each other. Nobody would communicate. Communication was scrambled. So you need a leader. you got to have one leader that's leading the troops, okay? And you can have two, like I have two strong staff members under me, but I'm leading them now. Yeah. yeah. So all of those early days where we had all that mayhem, it just really helped me to build the structure and the system that we have now. So hang in there. I'm a pioneer. I was just like jet-setting out there doing my own thing. And I did not have a lot of leadership training. Mm. Yeah, so I learned by trial and error. And we learned a lot. And we finally, we did get a system down that works. So hang in there with it. I, I know there were several, more than several times where I wanted to quit. <sighs> it's like it was too much for me, my temperament to manage all these strong personalities. Yeah. And I did learn I do have a choleric, strong side of me that I have to pull from if I want this. If I want to lead it, I'm going to be the founder and director. I have to pull from that part of my temperament. And I can do it. Yes, yes, you can. Si se puede. So what I'm hearing and what I love, I'm hearing like so many different things. I'm trying to like process it, which is like I'm writing everything down. Um, number one was that you learned by trial and error and that helped to get you to where you needed to be. Um, number two is your management, like learning your management style and being okay with, so, with letting go so much, like learning how to delegate, right? Not having to do yes. everything because you can't do it all by yourself. Right. And then the most important thing is knowing who you are because fully understanding who you are as a person and as a manager is going to help you when you have to manage others who have different personality styles than you do. Yes. Yeah. And that's key. It's very important to know your team's temperament. We had a whole uh, meeting where we did our temperament testing. So we can learn there's exercises you can do and you can learn who each other is and how you function. And that is so helpful. And did you do that? Um, was that just like a, a simple Google search that you just did that? You can. We did a seminar. Oh. Um, so if you look up Enneagram and Russ Hudson heads that up, they have seminars that they do. And I'm sure that there's seminars with the other ones as well. So that's the one. I like DISC and I like the Enneagram test. Okay, I really like that. Cause and I can get you those resources. That would be um, amazing. Yes. I'll that would be amazing. Because that helped our team tremendously. Now we know who we're talking to and what makes them tick. Yes. Oh, and that is so important. 
being a manager of any kind if, is knowing mm -hmm. and understanding not only yourself, but your people. Because yeah. communication is fundamental and the foundation of everything. And if you cannot communicate, either communicating out or receiving it in the way it should be, it's just room for disaster. So speaking yeah. of that, huh, there, um, anytime that you were maybe giving feedback to a volunteer, somebody on your team, and maybe it didn't go over so well, did that, did that ever happen? And, did, and what did you learn from that if it did? Well, we had, you know, the first, the first years, I'd say, the first five to seven years were really a learning curve for me. And we had, we got this beautiful little place on Anton Street, uh, which y'all probably don't know. It's down in Atlanta. It's really an artsy area. Okay. I was really excited to get that. And we were calling it Redmond Cafe which was real artsy and people would come in and have coffee and we just invite people in and then we'd have speakers. Okay. Um, so we had so many different, again, different dynamics with very strong leaders uh, and, and they really were not on staff because we were still just building at right. that point. Right. And, I had a guy, we had, first of all, volunteers came in. When volunteers come in, you say thank you. When somebody does something for you, you say thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we had this great team of volunteers. The guy was a builder. Okay. He came in and he was doing a coffee bar and all of these things. You know, his team had just went, knocked the ball out of the court and fixed the place up. So I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so one of my strong leaders came in and in front of me, just totally, oh my goodness, just totally uh, tore the whole place down, the design, the setup, the whole thing, just how he thought it was a bad idea, right in front of the all of these beautiful volunteers that had worked so hard. Oh, I was like, Oh, I remember my husband was there. It was so embarrassing. He did it in front of about 20, maybe 25 people. Oh my gosh. And I said, excuse me for a minute. And I went outside in front of the building and I, I lost it. And my husband knew he knows me. <laughs> he knows me well. <laughs> He came out and he goes, you are going to quit crying. You're going to go in there and you're going to put that jerk in his place. Yeah! You got to call the jerk. And I was like, <laughs> I said, I can't. He just slaughtered my whole vision and tore the whole team down that had worked so hard. Yeah. And he said, you can't let one person do this. Yes. And he goes, I could do it for you, but I can't. He goes, right. You oh, you have to do it. Yes. So I did. I did. I dried my tears. I mean, people maybe could tell I had been crying. And I went in and said, I'm sorry, whether you like it or not, this is the vision. And I think that these volunteers have done a great job and we're going forward with it. If you don't like it, you can leave. That was so hard for me to say. Do you realize how hard? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, advocating for yourself, advocating for the volunteers. Yes, 
Ma'am, so what did he do? Did he stay? Did he leave? He, what he sucked it up. He sat down. He stayed. Oh, look at that. He did. Dang. He stayed probably for a couple of more years on the team. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. It's almost as though some people are just begging for you to put them in their place. Yeah, I know. That's I know. And I just hate that. And I know. And I sometimes I feel it's almost like um, – like little kids sometimes, right? They're just like pushing the limit to see what they can get away with. See how right. far they can Absolutely. Go. And if you don't set that boundary, they will mm -hmm. push and push and push and push and push. And so I am so proud of you. But not only that you did it, I am so grateful that your husband did not enable you to continue in the behavior that you were doing. But he was like, no. He helped you to grow Yes. Making you go back in there and making you do it. Yes. That's, and that's why and I, people. I, I have strong people around you that are going to push you to be all that you can be. Yes. That is what you need. Yes, yes. I was just about to say, I am such a big believer in who is in your corner, who is your support system, who is your cheerleader, who is that person that is going to be encouraging to get you back into the ring, so to speak, after you just got the crap beat out of you and you're frustrated and you don't want to go on and you're hurt yep. and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Who is that person who is going to get you up and get you back into the fight, so to speak? Ah, I need to meet your husband. Tell him I said high five. Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. That's so invigorating to me. So Very important. Oh, my gosh. Who you surround yourself with. Yes. Very, very important. Yes. yes. I actually just did a talk the other day on resilience, and I was talking about how important it is to surround yourself, um, even, like, professionally, around people who do the same thing that you do so that when you're having a frustrating day, those are the people that can speak to you and encourage you. Because um, I shared the example that when I was um, uh, on my, the professional team, the professional cheerleading team that I was on when I was in Houston, oftentimes, you know, Sometimes things wouldn't be very well organized and the cheerleaders either would be left out or something would happen and this and that, or it was, you know, it was just like super disorganized. It was the first year. It was all coming together. And I would, you know, complain, um, well, not really complain, but vent, right? We'd be venting to friends yeah. and this and that and this and that. And the first thing they would say was like, well, why don't you quit? And you're like, oh, quit? Never. I don't want to quit. I love it too much, you know, but it was just like, but I just... <laughs> But when I was talking to other dancers and cheerleaders that were on the team, they completely understood what I meant, but it wasn't enough to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're just saying, you know, not everything's perfect. Just because it's not perfect doesn't mean you quit. You got to look at the, the good part. And so sometimes people who are not in the industry, people who are not in it the same way you are may not understand. And they're just like, oh, well, just do something else. And you're like, right. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh. Oh. oh man so that oh i'm just like invigorated like i want to jump out of my seat and like i should get my palms right now just like yeah. what, what's your husband's name his name is jeff jeff okay hold on yeah. <laughs> if you like jeff. <laughs> 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 Go, Jeff! Yes, 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 yes. We have to pull the palms out 
yes. Oh my goodness. Oh. oh, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Okay, I'm back. I'm sorry. I'm invigorated. Um, I love it. Woo. Okay. So, wow, that's really, really good stuff. Okay. So, um, so my last question that I have is name a challenge that you had to overcome or just something that you are the most proud of um, in your life. It could be professionally, it could be personally, but just something that you've accomplished. Either you had to overcome something or whatever, but just what is something that you have done that you are very, very proud of? Well, I, I think I'll go with personally. Okay. Um, I had a really rough uh, teenage years. Okay. Yeah, my sister died of cancer, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately I was raped a year later. Oh. So I ended up on drugs and alcohol for 11 years. Wow. wow. Four and a half of those years were spent in the strip clubs, and at the end of it was prostitution. Wow. And I was completely bankrupt. I barely weighed 100 pounds when a Christian woman in the community reached out to me and said, there's hope. Yeah, her name is Pam Yonker, and she took me into her home, nursed me back to health, and introduced me to my husband, Jeff Teague. So it, it was amazing. A lot of people that have struggled with addiction, you know, relapse is common. Yeah. I had one relapse six months into my marriage with my husband, and that was it. After that, I was done. I don't mean to laugh. But I was just like, ladies and gentlemen, marriage does not make you relapse. I just had to put that out there. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you're like, I was fine till I got married. And then it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, just, I had to clarify that's not what she's saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, Jeff Teague, is, as you can tell, has been a huge support. Um, and he really, you know, I tell people there's not a lot of people that will marry someone that's not whole. Mm. Like if you, I tell everybody, please work on yourself, do your own work and become a whole person, marrying a whole person. Yeah. I mean, everybody has issues, but when you're extremely wounded, you're not whole. Mm. And the first five years of our marriage, I was not whole. I was working towards that and the healing. And he was so gracious and loving and encouraging. He encouraged me to go back. I, I got back into college, got my psychology degree, had Hannah and Josh, had two beautiful children that are both in college doing very well. And then I birthed the ministry of uh, Victoria's Friends 10 years into my marriage with Jeff. Wow. That is just, man, talk about pulling on heartstrings. Like, it all makes sense now. Wow. And I can only imagine um, the things that you were hearing. I mean, I'll use that word feedback, but just with with all the, the challenges that you had to overcome, probably constantly hearing that you're not good enough and you're not this and you're not that and nobody will want you and just all of these types of things and having to work on changing that mindset of, yes, I am worthy. I am enough. I am great I am beautiful like having to change the the narrative on the inside of your mind I could only imagine right 
Right. It, it was a lot. And the thing was, somebody said something to Jeff and I uh, about five years into our marriage. Well, we were, after I got a lot of healing, we were coming very strong as one together. And he said, you're stronger than a lot of marriages because you've done all this work. Mm. Because a lot of people do not look inside and they don't dig deep, but because of Victoria and what she's been through, you've been forced to. Right. It forced us to do the deeper work. Mm. And those wounds are in layers like an onion. Mm -hmm. you, like a knife yeah. into an onion. You go around, there's, there's a lot of happiness, joy, and peace, but then you hit that wound and you go back down into that slit. Yeah. And you just... It keeps, you know, finally you get to the end of it, but it's a process. Yeah. It's a process, and you have to work. You have to want to do the work. Yeah. You have to want it. Want it. Uh, oh, that is so, like, profound. Because not even what, like, just what you're saying personally, even professionally. Like, you have to want it. And you have to do the work and really take the temperature of the team that you are managing, what does it really look like? And if you don't ask those questions, if you don't get that feedback from your volunteers, if you don't get all of that, then on the surface, it's like everything's hunky-dory and everything's great. And it could be imploding from within and you never know because you never took the time to do the deep work to get to the root to make sure that the foundation was okay. Oh my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our very own pretty woman right here. This is the pretty woman story in real life. Right here with Victoria. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm gonna title this pretty woman. That's what I'm gonna do. So funny. Cause as you were talking about it, because I literally I was watching it last night and I was like, this like sounds like her story, and she and she die, <laughs> and oh my gosh. <laughs> love it okay so this is something that i like to do i want you to it's called okay this is my book it's called three thousand questions about me and okay. so you can pick a number one to three thousand and then i will read the question and then you answer it and then i will answer it and if we don't like the question we'll change it because that's because I'm the boss and we could do that. Okay. <laughs> we, got, we got 3,000 choices, right? Yes. yes. So one to 3,000, go. Okay. Seven is one of my favorite numbers. Okay. Let's see. Oh, okay. Uh -oh. On what occasion do you lie? On what occasion do I lie? <laughs> okay, I almost went with 300. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll answer that. I will. Because, because I'm the sanguine, my temperament, I don't like to hurt people's feelings. So if I don't like something or I will a, a really prime example of someone's hair or an outfit, I don't really care for it. It's like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I love it. You like it? <laughs> I am the same. I am guilty. Forgive me. <laughs> I am 
same way. I am the same way. And then another one, one more that I lie about sometimes. Okay. I'll call the busy card. I'm just too busy. If I don't want to do something, I don't want to say no. I am so sorry. I'm so busy. I cannot work that in my schedule. I would love to, but I can't. I love it. Okay, well, so... <laughs> Oh, wait, now I'm taking them okay, personal. Is that why you couldn't record with them? I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, sometimes, well, listen, if I do say that to you, sometimes I really have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, I'm so hot. Okay. Oh, that's good. So it's my turn to answer. I'm the same way. Um, I like if I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, I will, but I'll just try to go out of my way to figure out like something or especially if you'll really, really, no, I can't say that. I can't, no, I can't say that and record it. Then people are going to know. But there's times when I, it's really, if I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, that's it. That's really because I, I don't even really believe in, like, the little white lie. Like, I try yes. not to even do that. But sometimes it's just like, ugh, if it's going to hurt the person, and it's not really going to bring them growth for any reason. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> next question, next question. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, I'm serious, though. Like, we might have to have another discussion about this whole hormonal thing. But um, tell people how they can find you on social media, how they can um, find your books. Um, and I know you have a book that's releasing in October. So talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, tell us. Okay, well, we are really excited. I have my third book, Sparkle and Shine, uh, is coming out. It's releasing October 8th, and we have a special that day only if you'll buy the Kindle version. It's a special 99 cents, and all profits go to Victoria's Friends. Nice. And okay. You can find out about all of my projects at victoriamteague.com. And then if you want just the nonprofit, victorias-friends.com. Okay. But Sparkle and Shine is, I feel like it's my best. I finally, you know, as an author, you, your voice gets better and better in that book. And yeah. these are some of the very best stories of a gentleman that we helped this year, Sean, was kidnapped at seven and found his way back to his mother at 15. What? That's that story's in it. Uh, another lady, Busalan, uh, from Cambodia, she survived the killing fields. She was three years old. Her father carried her out on his back, brought her to America. They had her prostituting to feed the family. What? Beautiful lady. Yes, you can see you can see my blogs and stories on the website. You can read more about Sparkle and Shine. We, so we have some amazing stories uh, of the people that we help. It's just, all of them are my heroes. I'm wow. just so proud of them. But how have they overcome? How have they even survived all of this? 
and there's nuggets in every single chapter and we had i'll tell you one special special thing that we had happen uh in sean's story his mother and grandmother always prayed for him okay and it was just the mother and the grandmother's prayers i believe that kept him alive and helped him to put it all together and then yeah. it was a neighbor of the man that kidnapped him that helped him they knew that he was being abused they didn't know he was kidnapped but he lived in chicago and he was taken all the way to california so at 15 he went to the neighbors and said i i need help and they said well we know you're being abused and he said well i figured out that my mom yeah you know, i have a mother that's still alive that wants me and they said well, we'll get you to her and they did oh my gosh i have like chills I know, I know. He, the mom had not seen him since seven. He was fifteen. He gets off the airplane. He's six four. It's like, it's an unbelievable story. But what I said in the book, and I give analogies like this: their prayers, the mother and the grandmother's prayers, were like pushing up uh, to get the light into that situation, and it's it's a miracle. Yeah. And are you familiar with mother of pearl clouds? Okay. It's like you see them in the Arctic. It's like very cold air will okay. push up, and the cloud looks like a pearl. Okay. It almost looks like it has a rainbow in it. Hmm. And so I make an analogy with their prayers with the mother of pearl clouds. And the reason I'm sharing this is. We go out, the book came, and now I live in Atlanta, Georgia, okay? We're not as hot as Miami, but we're close, okay? <laughs> there is no Arctic air here, okay? <laughs> My daughter and I are walking, and she said, look up. And it was a mother pearl cloud in the sky. Wow. I was like, how, how did we get that here in Atlanta? Wow. It was amazing. So I just felt like it was God's thumbprint on Sparkle and Shine. He's in I love it. I love the story. Also, you know, it's great stories of those that have overcome, but it's also a nugget for you in your walk and how you can be the best that you can be. Mm. How you can shine your brightest. There's something in every chapter for you. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing and inspiring. I haven't pulled out my palms since we've done this yet. That was a <laughs> I loved it. I love the energy and I love it. I mean, I love that, it. Was, that was pull out the palm worthy, man. Wow. I love it. I love yeah, it. I will make sure that everybody has your information, that they can reach out to you and get in contact with you. And to everybody who was watching the episode, thank you so much for joining us again. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down below so that you can be alerted every time a new one goes live. I want to thank you again for joining us on this episode of From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, The Good, The Bad, and The Say not letting the good stuff go to your head and the bad stuff go to your heart. Until next time, bye-bye.